This is Illinois in Focus, powered by TheCenterSquare.com. I'm Greg Bishop. Coming up, we'll review the top news from the past week and get commentary from the Center Square publisher Chris Krug and executive editor Dan McCaleb about a controversial rule filed late last week and was later repealed this week, and more about the ongoing impacts of COVID-19 and the government's response here in Illinois. That's ahead with Illinois in Focus, powered by TheCenterSquare.com. I'm Greg Bishop. Hi, this is Dr. Ina Hennigan, a family practice physician in Illinois, with an update on the latest recommendations to prevent the spread of COVID-19 or coronavirus disease 2019. The hallmark symptoms remain fever, cough, and shortness of breath. Newer medical evidence tells us that people who are asymptomatic or pre-symptomatic, meaning they have the disease and are not yet showing signs, can spread the disease to others. The CDC, Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, now recommends wearing a mask when you go out and are likely to run into other people, such as grocery shopping. A cloth mask will work just fine, and the CDC website, cdc.gov, contains easy-to-follow instructions on how to make one from items found around your home. This will prevent the spread of your germs to other people. It is still imperative to maintain good social distancing with a minimum of six feet apart for short periods of time only. Wash your hands frequently with soap and water for a minimum of 20 seconds, and disinfect the surfaces you touch frequently, at least daily. We are still all in this together. Take precautions and be well. This message brought to you by the Franklin News Foundation and this station. This is Illinois in Focus, powered by TheCenterSquare.com. I'm Greg Bishop. Here's some of the top stories from the past week. More than 1.2 million Illinoisans have filed for unemployment since the beginning of March, and a state representative's demanding answers on what the Pritzker administration's doing about continued delays in paying out benefits. Illinois' unemployment rate for April skyrocketed from 4.2% to 16.4%. That doesn't include the more than 140,000 filers in the previous two weeks. State Representative Fred Crespo said he still doesn't have concrete answers about what the Illinois Department of Employment Security is doing to correct major issues with not just fielding and processing claims, but also paying them out. The calls need to get answered, the applications need to be taken, and they need to process the claims. And at the rate that they're doing this right now, at the 2% of the calls coming in, they'll never get their money. Governor J.B. Pritzker Thursday said that he's working with lawmakers to increase state funding for IDES. And secondly, that we are working to use that funding to upgrade the systems that exist and the people because there's been a drop in the number of employees. Businesses that employ people are likely going to see an increase in burden for unemployment insurance, something that Crespo said is not the employer's fault. And I know we've had conversations within the caucus uh, and with IDS to figure out what's this, how do we handle this. So I, it's just something that we need to figure out. It's going to be a huge liability for, liability for a lot of these businesses. Asked Thursday how he's going to offset that burden, Pritzker said he's hoping the federal government sends tax dollars to Illinois to cover those costs. This is part of what the CARES Act or this next HEROES Act um, addresses is unemployment uh, support, and we're going to need that like every other state. The Illinois Chamber of Commerce said the Pritzker administration needs to appoint a team to focus on bringing down the 16.4% unemployment rate in Illinois. The controversial emergency rule Governor J.B. Pritzker's administration filed last Friday that criminalized businesses that opened outside of his stay-at-home order has been repealed. After delaying the start of the Joint Commission on Administrative Rules for more than three hours Wednesday, J. Carr co-chairman and State Senator Bill Cunningham made the inquiry of the Illinois Department of Public Health. That the recently filed emergency rule from the department is going to be repealed. Can you confirm that for me? Yes, that is the case. Thank you. 
Repealing the rule kept members from JCAR from voting on whether or not to suspend it. National Federation of Independent Business Illinois State Director Mark Grant said good public policy, quote, finally trumped party loyalty. You know, this administration talks about supporting small business. We haven't seen that much action that would uh, that would prove that. But today, at least some cooler heads prevailed. State Representative Stephen Reichs, a member of that commission, he said once his office was alerted about this, it was flooded with emails and phone calls opposing the rule. After officials said the rule would be repealed, Reich said it's clear people are paying attention and the governor needs to work with lawmakers. He's got executive authority to issue his orders, but the fact is is that um, if he really wants the public support, he needs to bring the General Assembly into this process so that we, we can exercise our right to represent our constituents. Grant said likely he's still going to oppose such a move if it's in the legislature, but he said the legislature is where such changes to state policy need to be hashed out. And that gives everybody who has a representative in the House and the Senate the opportunity to uh, uh you know, petition for their viewpoint. On it's this. unclear when such a measure will be debated in the legislature. As lawmakers continue to hash out details for the budget year that begins July 1st, Governor J.B. Pritzker's not willing to cut spending. Instead, he's looking to borrow to keep spending level. He's also dismissing any reforms. In a truncated session, state lawmakers working on details of what could be a $39.7 billion spending plan. That's about level with the current fiscal year's spending plan, even with the expected crater in revenue from the economic downturn imposed by government. There are reports that states looking at borrowing more than $4 billion from a Federal Reserve program. U.S. Representative Rodney Davis said that's a good program. But let's not kid ourselves. Uh, the, the, state, the state of Illinois' legislators and this governor have failed to make some tough decisions to put Illinois in a better spot where they shouldn't have to borrow as much. Asked if it's time to reassess the state's spending priorities, the governor said the state needs to continue current spending levels. For people who want to make massive cuts in government today, think about who you're doing that to. You're doing that to the middle class. You're doing that to the working class. You're doing that to the people who need government the most. The Illinois General Assembly in session Friday, the last day of a three-day scheduled session where they could pass a budget. That budget's set to begin July 1st. State Representative Tim Butler says he'd like to see lawmakers hold off on rushing to pass a pandemic-era budget. The Springfield Republican said holding off on passing that budget begins July 1st will allow for more clarity on expected revenue and any possible federal aid. But Butler, who's in the Republican super-minority, said supermajority Democrats have enough votes to pass a partisan budget now or after the end-of-May deadline, which would increase the vote threshold. State budget aside, there's more than $4 billion in federal COVID-19 aid for local governments that a report says is being held by state officials. And Congressman Rodney Davis looking for answers. The National League of Cities found that Illinois is one of 32 cities that are withholding federal funds from municipal governments, including rural communities. Davis said before more federal funds are freed up for Illinois, he's demanding to know why about $4.9 billion in federal funds is stalled out. We can't be as good at advocates as we would like to be if we don't know where the $4.9 billion that has already come to Illinois is being spent. Governor J.B. Pritzker responded Thursday. No, no funding is being withheld at all. We need enabling legislation. We needed the legislature to actually get together to provide that enabling legislation, and that's what's happening uh, over the next day and a half. Despite concerns from some of the state house, state lawmakers closer to passing legislation that would expand mail-in voting for the November general election. 
The measure found approval by lawmakers in the House Thursday, but several Republicans said there needs to be an audit of local voter rolls to make sure they're cleared of errors. While he said he supports mail-in balloting, Peoria State Representative Ryan Spain said the measure he sees is a big mistake that could jeopardize the legitimacy of elections. And as lawmakers were heading into the Bank of Springfield earlier this week for the start of the special session, state representatives were met by protesters who said the two months of stay-at-home orders, it's time to get back to work. Rebecca Wilson's from Princeton, Illinois. She's a teacher. She said it's disappointing she can't be in the classroom and she's ready to get back to it. People want to work and we have stayed at home to flatten the curve and now we know what's going on and it's safe to get back to work. So people want to work. We want to get back to work. We want to get back to school. We want to get back to sports. We want to get back to our normal lives. It's time to do that. Timothy Hugomes from California. He has residency in Illinois. He was protesting Wednesday in Springfield saying the state's being held hostage. We have more than served our 21-day medical science quarantine. Enough is enough. If you're sick or if you're scared, quarantine your own self. State Representative Darren Bailey Wednesday was applauded by protesters as he entered the public area of the convention center for the special session. He said the message that he's hearing from his constituents is clear. They need to get back to work. We would do this safely if we had the opportunity, but no one's been brought to the table. No ideas have been solicited. We've had this rogue governor continues to shove you know, his ideas and his thoughts and his power down everyone's throat, and it's going to backfire on him. This is not what we stand for here in America or Illinois. Wednesday, Bailey refused to wear a mask after the House passed rules requiring such face coverings. He was escorted out of the building but returned Thursday wearing a mask. And unless there's an emergency ruling to dismiss a change of venue motion from Illinois' attorney general in the case Bailey filed against the governor's stay-at-home order, Friday's hearing in Clay County this afternoon is on hold. The AG said the federal court's the proper venue, but Bailey's attorney said it's frivolous, and he says it delays the outcome he expected to go the way of his clients. And despite Governor J.B. Pritzker's contention that traveling to neighboring states is dangerous during the pandemic, scores of Illinoisans appearing to be doing just that. One example is in Missouri, specifically St. Charles County, which loosened restrictions May 4th. Alexis Stubis, bartender at Hendricks Barbecue in St. Charles, says that she and several others are seeing a steady flow of people from Illinois since they've reopened. A lot. Actually, I had a bunch of girls up at the bar yesterday. We had a group of 15 people from Illinois, a party. We had, I had a group of women sitting there, and they're like, we drove an hour and a half to get pedicures and to come get lunch and to get drinks. Nikki's a server at Schlafly's in St. Charles. Oh, my gosh. All the time. We, we've typically had a lot of Illinois regulars. Um, but it's now more than ever. Bridget Alderson, who owns the French Flea in downtown St. Charles, says for a while she thought that she was going to lose her business because of the shutdown. Every day. Yep. So we're having to do negotiations with the landlord and um, assistance with the government. And, you know, a lot of us don't qualify. But now that her shops reopened, Alderson says business has been great with many customers coming from Illinois. It seems like all the license plates were Illinois. People are coming from down in the city and from across the river to get get here and get out and be normal again. Even after St. Charles County reopened two weeks ago, health officials have reported a downward trend in coronavirus cases. Those are the top stories from the past week for Illinois. Find more online at thecentersquare.com. Coming up for Illinois in Focus, commentary from the Center Square publisher Chris Krug and executive editor Dan McCaleb. This is Illinois in Focus, powered by thecentersquare.com. I'm Greg Bishop.
Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Illinois and Focus's Crosstalk segments. Chris Krupp, publisher of the Center Square here in Illinois, joined by the ubiquitous Dan McCaleb, executive editor of the Center Square. Danny, what is going on? Hey, Chris, hoping for a second week in a row to be able to get out on the uh, golf course this weekend. Got washed out uh, my first attempt last weekend, so keeping my fingers crossed for good weather. I'm telling you, that, you know, now, now that uh, the sort of the you know, the chains are off a little bit and we're able to go out and do some things that we want to do. Um, if we can get the weather to cooperate, that'd be great. I believe, you know, sort of lost in all this indoor living, uh, at least for parts of the state, you know, it's been the rainiest May on record already. And we're taping this on uh, Thursday, the 21st of May. Uh, so you got, uh, you know, basically nine and a half days left to go uh, to pad that record. Um, it's been, it's been miserable. I mean, adding into the fact that, you know, that, that we've all been sort of stuck inside and, and, and sort of, you know, locked away from normalcy. Uh, the weather has been, uh, not so great up in Northern Illinois. Oh man, the, the rain this past week has been relentless flooded yards and flooded roads and flooded golf courses. Yeah. Knocked out all the power at the, uh, at the Sears tower. Right. You know, so, um, Hey, uh, plenty of stuff to talk about. Uh, one of the, this has been an interesting week, right? Because, you know, from a tone and tenor standpoint, you know, and if you've been an, uh, an onlooker or even a casual, uh, voyeur of, uh, governor JB Pritzker's daily two thirty news conference, um, you you're getting, I wouldn't say necessarily mixed messages because the messages have been the same. I mean, really it's been the same, regardless of what's happened. The message has been the same. Um, stay inside, stay safe. Uh, that's the perspective that he's put out. I mean, really from the beginning. Uh, but this week, you know, he tried to lever up. Actually, it was a it was a news dump that occurred on Friday where he had put in an executive order that extended uh, authority to local law enforcement to go after people who were ignoring his executive order. That did not go super well. No, no, it wasn't really even a, a news dump because he 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 did it secretly without announcing it, uh, saying that that businesses that uh, uh, didn't follow his his restrictions, uh, businesses that were barred from reopening by the governor who who decided to reopen were going to face misdemeanor charges, which which can include up to a year in jail. So as he's uh, He's unloading murderers and, and people, uh, armed robbers from the st- state's prisons to pr- protect them from COVID-19. He's threatening legitimate business owners, people who create jobs in the state of Illinois with, with jail. Doesn't announce it. Our, I, I think it should be pointed out that our Greg Bishop, the Center Square Illinois Radio Network's Greg Bishop, broke this story on Saturday. Uh, and then, you know, after after we broke the story, um, other media outlets followed, and then just the the flood of phone calls and emails and social media postings, just in complete anger over this, um, forced the governor's hand. He changed yeah. his mind, and so and so that was basically unwrapped uh, uh, earlier this week, uh, a pretty stunning reversal. But but you know what followed behind that then was also you know a little bit more subtle. This tonality shift, you know, where it's like, okay, our numbers are improving. 
you know, we can expedite, you know, sort of, you know, some aspects of the things that have been discussed as occurring deeper into phase three can come back on. And a lot of it was the non-common sense stuff that was taken away, like restrictions on the number of people on a boat. Like, you know, the, like Two the, people. yeah, I mean, like this, uh, uh, and, and not to make everything about recreation, but, you know, we're a little bit stir crazy here in Illinois. If you're listening to this from outside the state, if you're not experiencing this for yourself, I mean, this has been like seven, eight, ten weeks of just, having to deal with your family every minute of every day get me out of here brother <laughs> uh serenity now you know well, I mean, like, like you said the, the just the inconsistent nature of the restrictions you know four five six depending how large your family is members can can squeeze into a an automobile but you can't put more than two people on a boat yeah it I just mean, never it just never made any sense so so these things are coming off they're now talking about uh, outdoor dining being a possibility at restaurants, which is kind of fascinating. I mean, I, I don't really know uh, because, I mean, I just don't understand it. I've watched the goofy video that CNN created where somebody's sneezing all over food in a restaurant and how the germs go all over the place. And it's like, okay, yeah. I mean, does that really change if you're sitting outside? I mean, is it radically different if you're like literally – honking your nose in somebody else's face. I mean, come on, you know, so at any rate, so, so now we've got, but, but there's, but there's been a tonality change. There's just been a very subtle, but abrupt change. And we're getting this thing back together, but we're going to do it with the science. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, what's different this week, Dan? I mean, as you kind of periscope back out and look at it, you know, the counts are down ventilator usage is down. I don't know if the ventilator usage is down because some doctors just don't have the faith in the equipment, which has been something that's been underlying and has been buzzed about. You know, it's, we build all these ventilators like, you know, lickety split. Uh, It's pretty sensitive piece of equipment. There's been questions of whether or not they're worth a lick, but you know, it's just kind of like things are changing here. I think it's a combination of both. The numbers are, are the numbers are improving. The number of hospitalizations are down. But I hope, but I think the largest part of it is is just the unrest among Illinois residents. This has been going on now for eight plus weeks, and they're tired of it. And more and more people are are speaking out uh, yeah. about these the, these unnecessary restrictions. Yeah, and I think the governor's starting to hurt. Certainly, some certainly a lot of lawmakers, both Democrats and Republicans, are hearing it. Yep. Um, um, and it's it's obviously gotten back to the governor too, and I think that's largely why this change in tonality uh, regarding restrictions. Well, it, it it has it does seem like you know that that people who've been on the sidelines, um, not all of them. But, you know, I mean, it's not like you and I are immune to social media. It's not like we don't talk to people. It's not like we don't, you know, haven't lived here for a long time. And we've lived here for a long time. Um, I don't believe that this is a condition of fatigue where we're just simply tired of being inside. But that as data comes out and you get a clearer understanding of what's really gone on with COVID-19, in particular, if you don't live in the city of Chicago, Right. I mean, it, you know, the, the, the Pritzker administration and Dr. Zike has said over and over again that this is a disease that knows uh, no boundaries. Well, no kidding, because, I mean, it originated over in China. Right. I mean, so, you know, 
obviously. But it also seems to impact different people in different ways. If you have a number of comorbidities and you're older and you live in a nursing home, it's not good for you at all. This is not good. If you don't have those comorbidities, uh, you may have this. And yes, the, you know, the reality of it is that this is a viral disease, that, that you could spread it. But if you stay away from people and you socially distance, then you are not going to transmit it. Right. I mean, it's we, conundrum. Well, we, we reported recently that more than 40% of uh, COVID-19 deaths in Illinois um, have occurred uh, amongst residents of uh, long-term care facilities like like nursing homes, yep. um, where one you're you're generally older, older than seventy, older than eighty, and and two you have these pre-existing um, um, conditions. So more than forty percent of the deaths are in nursing homes, and that's in Illinois. In some states, it's it's over sixty percent of yes. deaths. Yeah. Um, um, and that's largely because of Chicago, where you've got a large number of people living on top of each other, where the infection rates are higher than more rural areas of the state and more rural states, um, for that but, matter. But even a suburban area like where you and I happen to live. I mean, you and I happen to live in the same county. We're in the collar counties. We're not in the city. Um, you know, at the last time I glimpsed the numbers, that 80% of McHenry County's COVID-19 related deaths had occurred with people who were in nursing or um, congregate care setting, eighty percent. Right. So, so, at, so the data tells us absolutely we need to protect those folks. Yes, um, it, you know, and if 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 you have an uh, an older grandmother or an older mother or father or or whatever, make sure you know make sure they're following uh, uh, the guidelines. Absolutely. And to but, his credit, and to Doctor Zike's credit. They were not sending co- older COVID positive people into nursing homes, right. which they did in New York and they did in Pennsylvania. And I believe they did it in Michigan and maybe Massachusetts. There's another state on the on the East Coast where they did the same thing. And it was disastrous. Oh, right. Absolutely disastrous. Like literally like throwing a match into a gasoline can. I mean, disastrous. Yeah. So credit there for, for having the, you know, that amount of clarity, but, you know, honest to goodness. So, you know, the, the unrest that you were talking about um, is, you know, it's taken itself to the streets, which has been interesting to watch and a little scary for some people, because I mean, you know, some people are just put off by protests, whether it's, you know, whether it's nuns standing on the side of the road, protesting something, or if it's guys, you know, uh, in camos, uh, you know, wearing guns, walking around uh protesting something well unfortunately it's 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 sort of the few extreme bad apples that uh, that meet the media flocks to when these protests happen the vast majority of protesters are just regular folks uh expressing their their constitutional rights doing so in a responsible way but that's not a good enough story for mainstream uh media so they go go and flock to the uh the folks carrying the anti-semitic signs even if it's only one in a crowd of you know 500 that's what they're looking for and that's what that's what media watchers see um they don't see the large majority of responsible protesters um because the media hasn't been interested in them 
You know, one of the things that's kind of fascinating, and you and I have been in the media business for a very long time, and I don't want to suggest that I'm, you know, any more of a meathead than, you know, that I already freely admit that I am, but I guess I'll, let me go on a bit. You know, if you watch protests on television and you see people wearing the same shirt and you see people carrying the same sign, that's an orchestrated protest. That's well-funded. That is not organic. That's not just something that's sprung up, you know, on the, you know, sort of out of out of nowhere. Uh, when you see people that are standing around with handwritten signs, um, wearing whatever the heck they're wearing, non-matching, you know, just sort of a collective, that's very, very different. If there's okay. some suggestion that these outlier people, either pro or, or, or con, you know, are, are, are being uh, managed. You know, I, I, I just I, I just don't believe that. I, I have a difficult time believing that. In particular, the, the you know, the, the 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 sort of the fringe people that have showed up to, to protest lockdowns that have had signs or worn shirts that were really just awful. I mean, just awful. Not not mm-hmm. part of the discussion. Awful. That's not part of some like orchestrated effort. That's just well, it's it's just idiots, right? And it's it's but that's that's just a very small fraction of the folks who are showing up at these protests. There are 1.4 million uh, Illinois residents uh, who are out of work since since mid March because of um, essentially business shutdowns uh, due to Governor Pritzker's uh, executive order. If I'm out of work for two months and I can't make a living. Of course, I'm going to be upset about that. I had a job. I had a stable job. I was able to provide for my family, um, and 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 you know, Illinois continues to experience problems with uh, with its unemployment uh, uh, system. So, oh, what a disaster! Yeah, so, so people aren't getting unemployment benefits in a timely uh, manner. Some are, but but many aren't. Um, and of course, they're going to be furious. Yeah, and I mean it's it that that I mean that that's a mess. I mean, one thing that did happen this week, you know, and and again, we're we're putting this together on on Thursday, and there's you know there's a lot that's going to happen between now and 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 potentially you know the weekend. We're not even certain if the legislature is going to work over the weekend, and that's where I'm headed with this. The legislature did come back to town, came back to Springfield, and um, so that got going. There are a handful of things that are on the agenda uh the governor has said all along as he was kind of giving i didn't understand this necessarily i i, I mean I, I don't understand why why he was giving cover to the legislature to the degree that he was if he wanted to just make the decisions or if the legislature was letting him sit out there and make decisions that that uh, ultimately were going to be made anyway and they just didn't want any part of it i i mean i two schools of thought on that but the legislature is back and um, there were, you know, not to say, you know, uh, uh, I don't know. I, I, I think it's relevant to say that that there was a vote right off the bat about whether or not the legislators should be wearing masks. And Darren Bailey, who was uh, came on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, three weeks ago, probably now, um, who filed suit, you know, and actually won in Clay County and, and uh, you know, uh, was granted freedom from the governor's executive orders. He refused to wear his mask uh, and was escorted out. So uh, not to call it a stunt, but, you know, kind of an, an attention seeking moment to, to, to bring, 
to bring clarity to his point of view. Um, what's going to happen in the next couple of days in the legislature? There's a, there was a, a shell budget, you know, which is one of the pieces that's that, that is supposed to come out of this thing. A shell budget was introduced, supposedly $39.7 billion, which is barely um, a dent into an annual operating budget, you know, uh, the likes of which Illinois is known now for a few years. I believe we had a $41 billion budget or 30, excuse me, 40 Just and change 40 last billion. year. Yeah. yeah. So now, so walk us through what's going on here and what, what's, what we have to look forward to with the legislature back for as long as it's back in session. So yes, Wednesday was the, yeah, Wednesday, we're taping this on Thursday. You said Wednesday was the first day back from lawmakers since March. Um, and so essentially lawmakers are going to try and cram three plus months worth of work into three days, um, including um, passing a, 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 for all intents and purposes, a $40 billion budget, barely below last year, in, in a matter of three days. Uh, lawmakers aren't going to have an opportunity to uh, digest the budget because they haven't seen it, but it's clear that while lawmakers were not in Springfield, while they weren't home, Democratic leadership was working behind closed doors, uh, not transparent, not in front of the public, not in front of taxpayers, crafting a budget that's even though revenue declines are going to be significant uh, next fiscal year because of these government shutdowns, because of the layoffs, people aren't paying income taxes, sales taxes have plummeted. Um, they're going to craft a budget that's almost exactly this, as expensive as last year, even though they know revenue is going to be significantly lower. Um, so taxpayers, it's Illinois, so yeah. this goes without saying, taxpayers need to beware. Well, and I, I mean, one of the things that I, I have to be honest with you, and it, I was disappointed. Well, well, let me let me let me pause there for a second. I think now that the governor is going to stand up in front of actual live people and speak about what's going on, which is something that has not happened for sixty plus days. We start. We saw it Wednesday. When I mean Wednesday was like a very aggressive, very, you know, assertive uh, group of, of people in media uh, asking uh, challenging questions. And that was just, you know, composed of a couple of pool reporters and whatnot. But, um, you know, I think that with the governor um, being out in the open and, and having to, to really field these questions, that, that there's going to be some um, – good explanations to questions that have been sort of lingering over the last X number of, uh, of weeks. I certainly hope so. The, the governor, um, for the first time in, in many, many, many weeks, uh, went to Springfield as well. Um, for the last couple of weeks, since he's been in quarantine, since some members of his staff uh, uh, contracted um, COVID or tested positive for COVID-19, you know, he's been answering questions from his via video conference from his home. Um, much easier to dodge questions uh, when you're doing that because the opportunities for follow-up questions or pointing out the, to the governor that, hey, you didn't answer my question, you just dodged my question, uh, they weren't there. Those opportunities are going to now exist while he's in Springfield. So I certainly hope, um, you know, our, co our colleagues in the media, um, certainly uh, Illinois Radio Network and Center Square reporters are going to continue to ask the tough questions and, and ask tough follow-up questions. Hopefully our colleagues in the media do the same. 
Well, it, 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 I think it will, it will be interesting to see, you know, what, what comes, what comes forward, you know, in, in, in these, um, in these coming days. And, and if nothing else, I think that, um, there's a new opportunity for a new normal with regard to openness in Illinois government. You know, I mean, I think that, you know, that, that people that are out there, that are you know, that are listening to this, you know, would say, okay, well, the media can go ask anybody anything they want, anytime they want. Well, let me just tell you that that's not accurate. Um, and especially now with access and, um, you know, not only access to information, like, I mean, you file a FOIA request in the state of Illinois, and I'll, I'll tell you, you could just sit there and just watch the calendar days tick, 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 tick away. And it's a game. It's just a, it's a, it's an awful, awful game where, you know, oh, sorry, this has been denied because it's not specific enough or, oh, sorry, it's denied because there's no record of that or, oh, sorry, it's denied because you were uh, too specific. You know, I mean, whatever the case. I mean, it's like, no, it's just we can't do that. So then one of the ones we get is, oh, it's overly burdensome on our staff who have nothing to do because most of the government agencies are are shut down. Well, and that's uh, right now. And that's something we didn't talk about, you know, and sort of the the the, the nonsense of this thirty nine point seven billion dollar budget. Illinois has made zero cuts to full time staff, um, you know, uh, no, amongst Amongst for states. Those employees have gotten pay raises. Um, yeah. No staff reductions. Right. Even though, you know, I, I don't know what the percentage is, even though a, a number uh, of, of, of state employees aren't working, DMVs, the DMV's been shut down since uh, March. You can't go, you know, I've got a 16 year old daughter who can't go get her driver's license uh, right now because the DMV's have been shut down. Well, what are these folks doing? And should they be furloughed? Well, I mean, if you, I mean, if you're unable to do your work, I mean, isn't there a system for that? I mean, wh- why aren't the pe- why aren't the employees of the state of Illinois having to apply for unemployment like the other residents of the state of Illinois? I mean, it's like, yeah, I, I don't get it. You know, it's and, and and here's the thing. I mean, the unemployment insurance part of this thing, I think, is going to be really fascinating for next year, right? I mean, you talk about sort of all the the mechanisms that exist for uh, budgets to be made. You know, the, the question w- when I look at, at the $39.7 billion shell isn't like that the fact is that that number's roughly about the same as was last year. Well, last year and this year couldn't be any different. How are you filling that bucket? I mean, where's that money coming from? Well, that's and that's what the scary part is. Of course, uh, Pritzker and Democratic lawmakers have the uh, uh, still have the progressive tax constitutional amendment on the uh, November ballot. So one of the things they're going to do is hope and keep their fingers crossed that uh, Illinois voters agree with them that we need to raise taxes significantly on, on small businesses and, and millionaires and billionaires. Um, but the small businesses are the ones that are being drastically, dramatically affected um, by these uh, COVID-19 restrictions. Uh, many of them have had to, had to shut down. It's unclear at this point how many are going to be able to re- reopen, even if Pritzker says you can reopen. Well, that's one of those things I think that, that actually is worth talking about now. It's like, you know, if the progressive tax, let's just say that this isn't 2020 and, and COVID doesn't hit 
in 2020. It hits in 2021. And somehow, someway, they've been able to get the progressive tax passed. So I'm being taxed at a certain rate. Then COVID-19 happens and the state doesn't let anybody go. And they decide that they're going to do whatever it is that they were going to do as a plan anyway. With the progressive tax being, you know, what it is, they could just simply turn that dial and say, okay, well, here's the thing. If you're over this amount, you're going to pay 3% more. If you're over this amount, you're going to pay 2.7% more. If you're over this amount, they just turn the dial on everybody. And they can do it. They can do it whenever they want. Whenever they, they want. Not just once. They can do it twice, three no. times, five times, ten times. It's whenever the, they need, whenever they need more money, they can it, they, they can turn that it, dial. It's the same mechanical madness that got us into the housing bubble when people were taking adjustable rate mortgages and allowing basically, you know, uh, buying too much house. On a on a mortgage that was just going to tick up a little bit, and as long as the as long as the Fed, you know, kept the number in line, everything's fine. And then, oh, well, hold on a second, uh, these numbers are starting to go crazy, and everybody loses their house. It's a horrible financing instrument, and a progressive tax. My goodness, if it was implemented for this year, who knows what your income taxes would be? Yeah, that's unbelievable. We currently, we currently all Illinois residents currently pay just below um, 5%. Uh, I think it's 4.95% personal. Yeah, personal. In, in personal uh, income taxes. That rate, the highest rate, and this would apply to small business owners um, who file uh, file their businesses as, as, as if they're personal in, income taxes, would be just under 8%. They'd be seeing a significant increase, even though um, their revenues – have tanked because of COVID-19 restrictions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, but Pritzker says it's still, the uh, progressive tax is still necessary. So I hope voters uh, get informed uh, before November. There's still plenty of time. Um, but is this is not just a millionaire or a billionaire tax effort. This is a tax on job creators, a tax increase on the folks, the small businesses who employ more than 50% of Illinois workers. So, I mean, we covered a lot of ground this week, Dan. What else um, What else uh, did we not get to that uh, that you might have wanted to talk about this week? One of the things we we, we really didn't touch on is uh, Illinois has is, is become an island now. We are the most restrictive state in the country. Um, we still have these st- the stay-at-home orders in place. Um, businesses that the governor deems non-essential are still closed. We might be moving to phase three uh, here at the end of next week, which might loosen things up a bit. But all of our neighbors um, uh, are significantly less restrictive than Illinois is. And we've heard from all of our border states that Illinois residents are flooding uh, their communities. Um, we did a story just the other day on on Missouri, uh, uh, Missouri uh, retailers and restaurants and bars being packed with Illinois residents. Not only are Illinois not not only is the COVID-19 restrictions uh, in Illinois shuttering businesses here, it's happening, making taxpayers from Illinois uh, go to other states to spend their money. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, up here in Northern Illinois, I mean, people are just heading over the border up to Wisconsin. And to be honest with you, with the difference in the cost of uh, a gallon of gasoline, 
you know, you can drive up to, uh, you know, Lake Geneva or to Pleasant Prairie. Um, Pleasant Prairie has a big outlet mall. Of course, Lake Geneva has, um, you know, Lake Geneva uh, and the quaint little downtown neighborhoods and, and other such places. You know, for what it would cost you to fill up the gas tank in your Suburban or your SUV or your minivan, uh, you probably can go treat the kids and yourself to some ice cream and and be more than more than whole uh, and head and head back home, having not lived in sort of the restriction. You know, of course, the the governor's been asked about this specifically, and um, and, uh, and, and and shopping clothing stores and and right. sporting goods stores, right? Um, you, right. essentially most, uh, most anything you want that you can't get here in Illinois or you right. can't go shop for Illinois, you can right. do in Wisconsin and Iowa and Missouri and Indiana. Right. And he's portrayed those people as basically, um, endangering the lives of, uh, of others. And, and, and I, I feel for people who have been made to feel guilty if they have um, been made to feel guilty about that, because I, I just don't, I, I guess I just don't look at it the same way, you yeah. know? So me neither. Well, Dan, I'll tell you, uh, I think our time's come to an end. Great to talk with you. I uh, look forward to catching up with you. Of course, Center Square will have wall-to-wall coverage of the Illinois State Legislature uh, from Springfield and under the odd circumstances in which they are uh, conducting business from a, I guess it's a basketball arena or whatever the heck it is. I don't know. You know, the, the, house, this, the house is at the convention center for for social distancing purposes. They split the the, the Senate got the <laughs> Capitol building and the House got the Springfield Convention Center, and just sort of an odd time. Well, hopefully, an arena football league game will break out and we'll be able to get back to sports as normal again too. Um, for Dan McHale, it's been Chris Krug. You've been listening to Illinois Focus's Crosstalk segment. Now over to Greg Bishop with a look at what. The center square will be working on next week. Next week, we'll unpack all the fallout from this week's special legislative session, from the budget to how the election landscape may change, and much more. Plus, we'll look forward to reopening sectors of the state's economy under the governor's proposed plan. This has been Illinois in Focus. For more Illinois stories and commentary online, visit thecentersquare.com. For the Center Square, Illinois, I'm Greg Bishop.